My name is Scott Challoner and this is the Leaders Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on what is a cool but quite bright winter morning here in the capital and I am delighted to say that joining me on the show to hopefully add even more sort of warmth and brightness to affairs is Freddie Kelly, CEO at Credit Kudos Limited. Uh, Freddie, very warm welcome to yourself and thank you ever so much for taking the time to join us today. Good morning. No, not at all. Looking forward uh, to having a chat. No, likewise, Freddie. It's an immense pleasure having you um, on the uh, the show today. And uh, it's quite a fantastic journey that you sort of had in business because you were actually sort of flexing your entrepreneurial muscles from the tender age of 15, weren't you? Sort of started very much in your formative years, I believe. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, if you can say that, I think um, I was uh, I, I was always a little bit re- rebellious in my, my teens and, and um, trying to sort of uh, find avenues to, um, uh, to to pursue and to kind of release energy and, and I was yeah tinkering around with stuff my my parents uh, met in the computing industry um, and so we, we grew up with you know 56k modems and ISDN and uh, laptops lying around the house and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff so I always kind of thought that um, thought that computers would be my thing um, and uh, yeah when I was uh, I think um, Fifteen, um, a lot of a lot of the kids at school were were getting into playing um, games on the on the PC, you know, um, things like Call of Duty and Counter Strike. And uh, whilst I wasn't very good at, at playing the games, I did get quite interested in how they how they were operating under the hood and and how um, how different players uh, from different locations could connect to each other. Um, and that sort of spawned me. Uh, going down a rabbit hole and, and ending up building a business that was providing a variety of different sort of hosting services that allowed gaming teams and the like to um, to play online together. Um, and, and I was sort of managing that, and you know, it, it allowed me to kind of build computers, but you know, build the hardware. This was obviously way before things like you know public cloud services. So I was building these servers, um, putting them in a in the trunk of my, my dad's car or on the train and, and, and going, uh, going to London to the doctor and, and plugging them in, in in a data center and setting it all up. So it was um, quite a formative experience for me. And I learned quite a lot, even even though I, I think it was uh, more of a hobby than a business at the time. Mm. And then I suppose that all kind of went on the back burner when it came to sort of completing your studies, completing your computer science degree. And then obviously you were taken to the States um, after that. And I can imagine that sort of being exposed to the sort of technology culture over there was probably something that really, really helped when it came to sort of setting up your own business back in the UK sometime later. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to say that it went on the back burner. But I think probably school went on the back burner. <laughs> so that I could I could work on, on the, the business at least for a time. Yeah. Uh, I remember I was, uh, uh, my um, my father sort of embarrassed me at a parents' evening because I was failing or, or doing very badly in business studies GCSE at the time, which was some kind of uh, irony in, in hindsight. But um, uh, yeah, I, I, I probably should have been paying more attention at school. Um, but yeah, no. After that, yeah, I'm very lucky. I think um, that computers was my thing because it just turns out that you know, being a software engineer and, and knowing how to code is just such a uh, a highly sought after skill at the moment um, that we as sort of software engineers are in this kind of golden age where um, all over the world you're, you're, you're in demand and I wanted to go um, after university as you mentioned to, to go and work in Silicon Valley just because you know it's always 
heralded as the the kind of the center of of technology and entrepreneurship and and so um yeah i got the opportunity to do that and and ended up working for the two different um startups when i was out there yeah that's absolutely fantastic and then when it came to sort of coming back to the uk um i suppose what sort of formed the basis for your current business credit kudos limited was that you returned with sort of quite a thin credit file and it was difficult to sort of get hold of the credit that you needed. So your current business is all about sort of addressing that for those entrepreneurs that may be in the same position as you were back then. Yeah, that's right. I, I sort of fell into it by accident, really. What The, the second um, company that I worked for uh, in the States was a, a fintech company, although I wasn't really familiar with what fintech was mm-hmm. at the time. Um, and um, that uh, business, broadly uh, as a byproduct of what they were doing, was was analysing bank transaction data. Um, and and as you say, um, I kind of got the itch to, to start something of my own. Uh, and in in moving uh, moving back to the UK, I sort of discovered this uh, huge problem um, that affects a lot of people, uh, whereby you you are sort of overlooked or misrepresented in your ability to apply for different financial products, you know, be it uh, credit or in fact other things as well. Um, there's a whole raft of issues that come about through sort of lack of implementation of the, the right technology or the right data that, that make it really difficult. And Credit Kudos as a business was set up with the, uh, the goal of tackling those problems and making, making financial services more inclusive. Yeah, and it addresses some fundamental issues, doesn't it? Because like a lot of entrepreneurs who were in your position, they're facing not just limited credit options, but also higher interest rates, various different restrictions. And this is, this goes some way to really, really providing fair credit for all by using the power of open banking. So that's a absolutely fantastic real sort of gap in the market that you've occupied there. And uh, something as well that you sort of mentioned as well, uh, Freddie, a little bit earlier on was um, that it's a good time to sort of be in the uh, the technology sector. And I think a large part of that is the fact that we've seen such a hastening of what we call the digital revolution as a result of the last couple of years with COVID, meaning that skills in technology, they're very much sought after at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, I think um, in any industry, uh, if you look at, I once there was a good quote I heard, and it's a bit reductive, but um, this guy called Gary Tan, who was a uh, who is an entrepreneur and VC now, and he was saying that you know essentially any time you walk past a building that's sort of lined with uh, rows of cubes, filing cabinets, and printers, and people kind of methodically moving information from one place to another, that's generally an area where software could could augment or replace. Um, and, and we're at this point where in all sectors, we're kind of discovering the efficiencies in the economy, the scale of, of automating and, and software is key to that. And so banking is just one area in my mind that that change is taking place. Um, and, and, you know, one of the, the kind of uh, most uh, uh, easy to point to kind of financial impact uh, as a result of that change. So it uh, makes sense that it's sort of a leveraged place to start with 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 the automation and as you say with with covid um especially when you look at things like e-commerce you know we went from e-commerce being i think something like a steady state of sort of 26 percent of of of, uh, of um, sales in the uk at the 
pre-COVID point to, to kind of peaking up to 40% um, and, and things like that also have reduced the use of cash further and in, in increased the use of credit and borrowing and digital wallets and things like that. But it, it, it's definitely a moment um, for, for fintech and, and, and acceleration um, has been taking place as, as, as a result of COVID. Mm. Yeah, exactly right. I think we're very, very good with fintech, aren't we, in the UK? And I suppose maintaining that position, especially with obviously the advent of Brexit very recently as well, is something that's very much at the forefront of especially the government's mind. And the Prime Minister has really talked about the importance of uh, that um, earlier this week um, as well. Um, But just not to sort of skim over uh, COVID, I think we should sort of touch on some of the challenges of the last couple of years um, and how sort of you've overcome those. So from sort of a business perspective, um, obviously technology businesses have tended to sort of adjust to the pandemic quite well but what sort of level of disruption would you were you sort of initially faced with would you say yeah i think i mean running a, a small medium-sized business is, is hard at the best of times um and and you know it, it's been challenging for everyone we're quite lucky in some respects that you know we all work from laptops we're all mobile you know we didn't have to go and invest in um dismantling you know a, a thousand person skyscraper full of of hardwired computing equipment that needed to be operated from home and setting up all the networking infrastructure to do that. So we, you know, there are examples like that where you're sort of lucky that you've got newer ways of working already built into the business. And we also worked pretty flexibly prior, you know, in terms of remote working and people working from home and stuff. Um, but but there has been a a challenge. You know, I'll, I'll talk about what we do and how it's impacted credit in a moment, but. You know, just on people and 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 lives and and you know livelihoods and 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 uh, I think morale as well, right? You mm-hmm. know, the the analogy of a of a startup. You know, most people go to a startup because it's got this kind of um, environment that's more akin to like a sports team than a than a company or a job. Um, not to you know, sort of a generalization, but you know, people want that camaraderie. They want to kind of be in the the trenches together and, and mm. being at home, opening a laptop every day and staring into, you know, a, a series of faces on a screen is, is you know, it's really challenging. So we, we certainly weren't um, immune to that. But what was um, what was really clear was that uh, it accelerated digital adoption um, and particularly in, in banking, you know, people needed to borrow money. Um, you know, we had government schemes like the, coronavirus business interruption loan schemes, mm-hmm. B-bills and, and B-bills bounce back loans and, and the distribution and deployment of those was, you know, a huge technological challenge that, that FinTech could, could help with. And then you had the uh, immediate impact on, you know, the uncertainty of, of credit risk profile. So, you know, we, we always work very hard to identify signs of vulnerability in lending and, you know, arguably everyone in the country suddenly became vulnerable in some way. And so being able to get real-time data to, to actually figure out what was proportionate and healthy for people to borrow and, and what methodologies that they, they should be using was, was was something that we were able to jump in and, and help with. So, yeah, it, it definitely, um, you know, I hate to say that, it, you know, it sort of look at it as a positive industry because it's, it's obviously an awful thing and mm. continues to be an awful thing, but it's it certainly accelerates some aspects of our business. Yeah, there have been a few positives in sort of the dark cloud, haven't there? And there are a lot of things that we can sort of take forward because business has been able to sort of capitalise on some opportunities despite all of the uh, all of the tragedy. I think uh, that's a very, very key point. Um, and I suppose as well, even though you were sort of used to, you know, a little bit sort of, of the remote working side of things, I guess 
from the well-being perspective again, it kind of warrants a little bit of a change in leadership style, doesn't it? Style and approach when you are working with a team that's distributed perhaps all over the country rather than in that office space together because you do sort of miss some of those key social cues which might hint that maybe someone's well-being isn't quite where it should be. Obviously, you've got to be measuring sort of productivity in different ways as well. So, you know, it's been a real time of adjustment, hasn't it? And by and large, business has really stepped up to the challenge. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, it, it's it's easy. I think everyone says this, but there, there was sort of this period where everyone, uh, I don't know what, you know, we were like sort of three months into lockdown, two months into lockdown, everyone's like, oh, actually, you know, we're more productive. Uh, you know, everyone's gone home and they just, you know, they're, they're doing great. And then you, you sort of realize that, you know, the, the, the natural um, kind of break point in the day has been lost. People, you know, didn't have the commute home or the gap between closing the laptop and cooking themselves dinner, you know, gone. And, and so actually, you know, it was kind of an unhealthy byproduct that wasn't really sustainable. And so, you know, being, uh, you know, very high on EQ and, and, and high sort of empathy as a management team was really important. Um, in, in trying to understand people's circumstances and help them through it. Uh, and just being honest, you know, I, I myself um, had a difficult time, you know, I had all sorts of kind of family challenges. We, we, we had grievances and things like that. And, and, and just being honest with everyone uh, and, and, and trying not to pretend to be infallible, I think was, was, was important. But um, mm. yeah, you know, we, we've all, like you say, there's been positives to take out of it. We, you know, businesses that have come through this are no doubt stronger than they were before. Um, so you know there's there's some good in, in all of the darkness yeah exactly and I think you're very right as well about that kind of authenticity that we have to show in leadership positions um, recognise you know that we, we don't have all the answers we're not infallible and we can sort of show that uh, that vulnerability that side of us so I think that's really really important and it's recognising almost that our own well-being also has to sort of be prioritised at times as well I mean when you are sort of trying to decipher all the many rules that government is issuing by the day and you're obviously in that business survival mode, that crisis management mode. I mean, it, the pressure can be quite telling, can't it? So it's about recognising as well that even as business leaders, CEO burnout is very, very real. And we do need to obviously take that step back as and when we need to as well sometimes, don't we? Yeah, most definitely. Uh, it, it, it's just about being honest and, and upfront, I think, and people respect that and value it. And just an interesting one here for some of the younger viewers that regularly tune into this podcast that are of the entrepreneurial mindset, uh, Freddie, having sort of gone and successfully sort of set up your own business, both in your teenage years and also now more recently, if you were to give one sort of stringent piece of advice to somebody who maybe had their own big idea or making to start their own business, um, what piece of advice would you give them to really sort of get them on that uh, road to success? Uh, it's difficult. I, I feel kind of uh, fraudulent <laughs> giving advice because you always hear people say things, yeah. and, and mm-hmm. you know that they never kind of really discuss the element of luck in all of this. And, and I think you know you have to be honest that you can do everything right and, and still uh, it can fall on its face. And I think the the most important attribute is to just be uh, accepting of that. Um, you know, accepting of people. Um, you know, giving quite harsh feedback being able to kind of dust yourself off. I also think that the the idea of sort of preparing to start the company is a bit of a fallacy. Uh, you know, that you're never really ready. There's never really a perfect time. Um, you know, the the you've got to just sort of like get on with it and and and, and start. Um, and so I, you know, I, I always 
always push people if they say that they want to do it. And, you know, that you get this line sometimes, like, oh, you know, I just want to get to this point in my career or, like, just get to this milestone. But then, obviously, when you get to that milestone, there's another three in front of you and you, you want those instead. And so you, you've just got to jump ship and, and do it. Um, so that, that's that's really how I think about it. Just, you know, start early and, and, and be afraid, don't be afraid of failure. And on failure as well, um, do you think that setbacks are almost part and parcel of the journey and it's more sort of how we respond to them, make sure that we don't see sort of failings as terminal and sort of learn from it rather than sort of using that as an excuse to get out? That's sort of the main thing that we have to look at as well, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, obviously making the same mistake twice is, you know, yeah. it's less forgivable. But, but um, you know, I actually, when, when I, the, the kind of premise of, of my uh US excursion was really that I would try and discover what it is about Silicon Valley that, that kind of made it such a fertile breeding ground for, for entrepreneurship. And um, honestly, the, the thing that I came away with was like, you know, a higher degree of confidence in oneself um, and also just an embracing of, of failure. I think in, in this country, we're still a little bit guilty of seeing failure as, as sort of taboo and mm. to be frowned upon. And and that you know you don't take big risks on big building big businesses if you're if you're worried about failing right and so it, it is just a mindset change of like you know great you had a failure what did you learn uh, what would you do differently you know that's like a, a useful data point it's not a reflection on your ability in any way yeah it's that win or learn mentality isn't it and I think that's so so very important and I think you are right that maybe the culture in the uh, the UK is that we do see failure as too terminal and we maybe don't sort of embrace that quite enough so very very interesting um, advice and very sound advice indeed I would certainly say there and uh, just now focusing on um, what the future is likely to bring now that in 2022 we're into a new year and we're hopefully coming out of the sort of acute phase of COVID and we're going to embrace the challenges now of the post-COVID world fingers crossed um, what are some of the priorities going to be for your business, Freddie, moving forward? And what are you really hoping to achieve over this next 12 months, just before we wrap things up? Yeah, well, it, it, getting in the weeds a little bit, I mean, we're, we're experiencing tremendous growth and continue to see growth in open banking uh, as, a, as a key um, facet of how our business works. It, it's just going from strength to strength, particularly in, in now in, in uh, payments use cases. So um, just for a bit of context, our company, um, analyzes bank transaction data, so bank statement information that's provided to us digitally through uh, a standard called open banking, and, and, and we use uh, past performance, so knowledge of other customers that, that we've also collected this data from to, to effectively predict the credit risk or the likelihood of someone repaying that information, uh, repaying that, that credit. Um, and open banking kind of started uh, quite a while ago now, and, and has gone through various iterations, and the latest is very focused on, on payments technology. So there's opportunities to reduce significant costs in, in the payment processing rails um, for one-time payments, as well as what's known as variable recurring payments, which are a little bit like um, a kind of automated replacement for direct debit. Um, and, and so we're really interested in how payments and, and data link together for, for lending products. Um, I alluded to the kind of growth of e-commerce traffic as a COVID um, output. Uh, that's kind of seen the rise of um, what's called you know, buy now, pay later type credit um, that, that's provided at point of sale. And those businesses are doing tremendously well. And we're, we're powering a lot of the, the companies that operate in that space to kind of automate their decision making. And, and so a lot of our a lot of our focus in this year is going to be on how to 
further that and, and implement more use cases and, and, and things like a, the payment stuff I mentioned before. Um, we've also got more and more sort of um, larger um, tier one banks uh, using the product. So we, we kind of, a lot of our client base at the moment is other fintechs, you know, major fintechs, but, but um, you know, less established lenders. Mm. Um, and we're moving more and more into to kind of unlocking the same capability for the, the sort of the household uh, names in, in banking as well. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot to, to a lot to look forward to. We, we're growing the team. You know, we we doubled during lockdown. We we continue to sort of double every year at the moment, um, if not more. So um, it, it's clearly a kind of reflection of the demand for, for for this new approach that we've developed. Yeah, absolutely. Plenty of ambition there, and it seems like really exciting times and a lot to focus on, Freddie. So very much best of luck with uh, sort of realizing that vision and. And to be honest, I mean, just given how enlightening it's been having you join us on the show today, I'd really love the opportunity to perhaps welcome you back onto the show in future and just catch up on how all of that's uh, developing for you. Yeah, of course. I'd, I'd love to do that. No, certainly would I as well. Um, it would be, it's been wonderful having you join us on the programme today, Freddie. It's been fantastic having you come on to sort of talk about your business journey and what you've been up to of late. And uh, by all means as well, please do until hopefully the next time we speak, take care and stay safe with all that's still going on because we're not quite out of the woods with the whole COVID thing yet, but fingers crossed that we're really heading for better days now. Absolutely. No, thank you very much. And, and same to you. I uh, hope you stay safe and, and uh, keep well. Yes, and I'd like to also extend that message to all of the listeners tuning into today's uh, programme as well. Please do take care and do stay safe yourselves. And I really do hope that you thoroughly enjoyed the interview with Freddie Kelly, CEO at Credit Kudos Limited, as much as I today. And it was absolutely fantastic listening to his business story. And to all of those tuning in that may have your own business, your own organisation, if you feel that you have a tale of success and of innovation to share that is all of your own, then why don't you also apply to be on the programme by leaderscouncil.co.uk uk forward slash apply because by all means we would love to hear from you too um until next time to everybody tuning in take care once more and goodbye